0: Put your hands together. Hallelujah. God is worthy. Worthy of all the praise. I want to welcome you to Christian Embassy this morning. Welcome you here into the presence of Almighty God. Welcome you here in our covenant relationships with our covenant God for the power of His Spirit to work in and through us in a mighty way. And as I welcome you, I want you to join me in welcoming everyone who's tuning in live on Facebook, who will be tuning in on our website, tuning in through the radio. If you would, put your hands together and let's welcome them. (laughs) Hallelujah. We welcome you guys. I get comments quite often from all around the world and here from the radio station and from Facebook Live and also from our website, folks saying, well, do you know we're here? And so we know you're there, and we want to start just making sure we speak to you as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, if you are in the area, we would encourage you to go ahead and get dressed next week and come join us because I'm looking at some amazing people here and I believe you would love to come and meet some of them because I believe some of the greatest people on planet Earth are at Christian Embassy here this morning. Just look around at yourself. Just look around. And that's some great people. I know most of you and the others of you I want to get to know. But every one of you that I know, you are amazing. And we thank God for you and your being here today and us studying God's Word together. Praise God. I'm excited to start a series this morning. You're on the cutting edge of what God is, I believe, going to be a worldwide movement. I believe He's working by His Spirit to make this happen around the globe as we are starting a series on covenant keepers, Uh, covenant keepers, because God is a God of covenant, and God keeps covenant. He tells us in Deuteronomy 7 and 9, and he repeats it in Psalms 105, verse 8. He says, I am a God of covenant, and I keep covenant to a thousand generations. And that's phraseology to basically say, as long as there's people, I'm going to keep my covenant with you. So God is a covenant keeper, not a covenant breaker. And that means that if you will enter into covenant with Him and be a covenant keeper with God, let me tell you what, it's a done deal. Everything that the covenant provides for is yours. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 7 and in chapter 8 details about how Jesus came to us to be a better high priest than any high priest before, to mediate a better covenant than had ever been written before, built on better promises than ever had been uh, established before, sealed with better blood than any blood before. Blood before was the blood of animals, but this was His very own sinless blood He shed as the Lamb of God to make sure that this covenant that we have, the best covenant, would never ever, Be broken on God's behalf, on God's behalf. That means that everything that is provided for us in this new covenant is yes and amen through Christ Jesus. So the question is, are we keeping covenant? Or have we entered into this covenant with God, which you enter in by faith, by placing your faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and what He has done to reconcile us to God, what He has provided for us in the atonement, and that is us believing in our heart that God is raised Him from the dead and that Jesus Christ we declare as our Lord, we surrender to His Lordship, we surrender our, our will to His will, that brings us into covenant, but now the question is, are you a covenant keeper as well? Now, I appreciate the fact that our God is a covenant God, and He has made covenants the backbone of the biblical story. In the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, there are many covenants that are very specific, beginning in the book of Genesis all the way through Malachi, But then when you cross over into the New Testament, which is literally the new covenant, we start seeing the provision for the covenant. The Lamb of God, John the Baptist tells us, here's the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. He starts showing us the, the one who would be shedding his better blood, sinless blood. And Jesus came and did the works of his Father here on earth to provide a better covenant for us on these better promises And then those covenant promises are spelled out in great detail all through the New Testament. And looking all the way back to the Old Testament, every time they were prophesied and every time they were foreshadowed, it was saying, this is that, hallelujah. So we are going to get a better understanding of this better covenant and how God is a covenant keeper, which now challenges us, are we covenant keepers as well. And if we are, I can tell you, you can walk with great confidence. You can walk with great authority. And you can walk in great faith and see the inheritance that God has provided for us, which is this covenant and uh, of its details being fulfilled in your day-to-day life. But there is an enemy. Let me tell you what. There is a stumbling block. There is a problem between us and the covenant and I believe if I took a poll without going any further and said who or what do you think the enemy is we would probably get a consensus the devil and man do we like to blame the devil for everything right but let me tell you what while the devil is our enemy yes he is and the devil has been defeated in and through Christ and the covenant promises us victory over the devil That is not what is standing between us and our covenant promises. The number one enemy keeping you out of the covenant provisions of God is a thing called your flesh. Your flesh. And in this series, part one, we're going to look at how to manage the flesh. How to manage the flesh. Now you need to look at somebody and just tell them, this is for you. I'm off the hook. Just go ahead. Just to make yourself feel good, just say, this is for you. I I didn't mean to run you off. (laughs) This is for you. I'm off the hook. No, don't believe that for a second. One of the greatest dangers we could ever foster here at Christian Embassy is to create this environment which says everything has to look good on the outside where we all speak this church ease, you know, we've learned what to do, we've learned how to act, and even though our lives are in an upheaval and turmoil, we've learned to come to church for a couple of hours and just blend, if you know what I'm talking about. Making it look like everything's all right, I got it all together, but I'm here to tell you, we must be honest with ourselves, this is not the case. Because if we're not careful... We will create an atmosphere where no man can have a problem. And then we will hide and suffer in silence where we feel like we have to make everybody feel like our debts are all paid off, we don't have any bills, our children are all saved, and they speak in tongues two hours before they go to bed every night, and nobody's had a failing grade, and uh, uh, we've never had an argument with our spouse, and even when we have a family reunion, they are like a piece of heaven on earth. It is just picture perfect. Come on, folks, this is not reality. This is not real. And I believe God has me here to help push us and allow God to enlarge our capacity to receive from Him. But at the same time, when troubles come, for us to have in this covenant with God, that God also provides covenant relationships with one another, so that we have covenant relationships and an atmosphere where we can say, I am struggling here and I need to see God move in me. And we can come together. For we are stronger together than we are ever alone. Enemy tries to get us isolated. That is a strategy of hell. But we need to have an atmosphere where Pastor has been transparent to say, look, we all struggle. This is not some news. You're not the oddball out if you've got a problem that you just can't get your handle on, uh, which would silence you. No, we all at one time or another, we have... where." a place in our lives where we need each other to come along and we need help. Just like these boys that are in this cave right now. If it were not for others knowing about where they're at and doing what they're doing, they could never be rescued. If they just suffered in silence, then they would suffer unto death. But thank God there are others that are willing to bring their strengths and bring their opportunity there to help give them this uh, 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 blessed opportunity of rescue. So we want to do the same here. See, Satan, I agree, is trying to t- destroy you. And he's trying to destroy me. And, uh, but in this, this point of destruction, he wants to kind of join in with the church mentality where you will struggle silently and privately in your life. See, when we walk like this, Satan knows this, when we walk like this, the devil's fighting us and we just really need some prayer partners to join alongside us. Uh, You know, there are many times we close the service and we say, would our prayer ministers come and make yourself available to pray a prayer of agreement with you? The devil says, oh, you don't need to go up there. Oh, everybody thinks you got it all together. You don't need to go up there and tell them that. Oh, you worked this out this week by yourself. It's going to work out. You don't need any prayer of agreement. And you miss that divine opportunity, that powerful opportunity, that place where you can, you can activate the exponential of God. You miss it because we listen to the voice of the enemy. And then when we walk like this, condemnation comes in because you feel like you're a hypocrite. Because you know that you are not privately uh, what you are showing publicly. You know there's a difference there. And then condemnation comes in and you lose your boldness. You lose your confidence. And now you're not willing to be that man or woman of faith. The devil loves this. He tricked you in your own game of struggle with the flesh and got you to the place where now you're under such condemnation as a hypocrite to where you have no boldness to pull on the the blessed covenant that God has for us. And while God has not broken covenant with us, we break covenant with Him because we don't have the confidence and the faith to pull on the covenant that He has for us. And without the confidence in the promises of God, you will not reach out to receive the provision of God. I'm tired of that. I'm telling you as your pastor and seeing what the devil has tricked people in doing around the world, I'm tired of that. I was in Czech Republic and I was preaching to them the same message. Uh, We were in Romania. I was preaching the same message and I preach it wherever I go because we as Christians must wake up And understand what's going on and not let the enemy dupe us any longer into the self-destructive life and the powerless life that we, through our flesh, choose to live. Because without your confidence in the covenant of God, you will live outside of your covenant promises. And the Bible is full, from cover to cover, full of examples of men who had private struggles. See, David was a man that was, the Bible says, after God's own heart, but yet he had some private struggles. And listen to me, he covered them up. Listen to me. I believe that the private struggles of one generation that are kept private, left undealt with, will become the public struggles of the next generation. I believe the boldness of that which you see today that is publicly being before our eyes, which people from my generation back says, how could this be? This would have never happened uh, 20, 30 years ago. It's because there was private struggle that was not dealt with. An example, David struggled privately with lust, the Bible says. He had an affair, and then he tried to what? Hide the whole thing. He tried to cover it up. And that continued a process of sin. And he's not, not only is he lying, now murder even enters in as he tries to have Bathsheba's husband does have him killed. And it's all undercover. It's all being hid, hidden. Now what happened to his son Solomon? The Bible tells us that David's private struggle became Solomon's public struggle. David had a private struggle with lust. He tried to keep it all covered. Now Solomon has so many wives and so many concubines that it literally ruined and destroyed the kingdom. I mean, we see it publicly lived out in his life. This is why you must keep that area of your life that doesn't want to die. You've got to keep it before the Lord. And you got to petition, help to come alongside, to stand in agreement and accountability with you, so that that thing will not live any long, any longer. Look at you guys! Don't y'all looking at me like you glow in the dark? Come on now! I'm up here all transparent, and telling you, I, I too, and it's like I need some clothes on or something. Y'all just looking up here like I don't know what you're talking about. I never, never had a struggle in my life. I got saved, filled the Holy Ghost, and it's all been glory ever since. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. I believe every person here, including me, has had some struggle that you've had to deal with, that you've had some struggle. And the enemy wants you, and your flesh wants to cover it up and pretend it is not there, but believe you me, it will surface. David publicly is killing a giant, which is a great display of power and might, but privately he's ducking swords and hiding in caves from Saul. Well, the presence of a struggle, please hear me. The presence of a struggle does not mean that God can't use you and that you're not a Christian. See, there's a big difference between habitual sinner and a struggling Christian. A habitual sinner says, I just don't care, and this is what I'm going to do. I don't care if it displeases God. I don't care if it displeases my mom. I don't care who it displeases. I'm just going to live this way. There's a big difference in a habitual sinner and a struggling Christian. And we must resist what I call a religious spirit that will cause us to say, if you're struggling, you must not be saved. If you're struggling, you must not have got born again. If you're struggling, then you're missing something with God. Let me tell you what, you can be saved and still have a struggle. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I'll explain why. Because one of the greatest revelations I ever received, besides Jesus loves me and and gave his life for me, is made of three dimensions. And this revelation is body, soul, and spirit make up who you are. That we were created in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. And my relationship with God operates in all three of these dimensions. And when I learned this, it immediately relieved me from the guilt and the condemnation that had damned me and kept me out of the holy of holies to receive all that God has for me. The fact is, and Paul makes this so clear in his letters, that you can be born again, you can love God, you can love the things of God, yet still be carnal. He talks about that. Don't believe me? Read the letter he writes to the Corinthians. He talks to them as brothers and sisters in Christ, but then he deals with some raunchy stuff in there that's going on, and he calls them carnal Christians. Okay? So here's an example. Let's say you get born again when you're 31 years old. Okay. Your spirit is made new, but you still have that same mind that you've had for 31 years. Right? Right? you got the same mind and the same body that you've had for 31 years, but now you're born again, so your spirit has been made new. Your spirit has been born again. You are, it has been revived, or you are now, or you might would say it's been resurrected, okay? Now, that's why when someone gets saved... You can't hit them with 77 things they need to stop doing and 77 things they need to start doing because their mind has not yet been renewed. And what you're going to do is just like you're imposing law on them. You gave them grace to get saved and now you're hitting them with law and now that law causes rebellion to start rising up. And you say, where could that rebellion come from? They got born again. Yes, their spirit is, but there's still 31 years Of that mind, those memories, and those emotions, and that flesh has been there for 31 years, and it needs some work. It needs some work. The Bible says that the mind has to be renewed. The spirit is born again and new, but the mind has to be renewed, and the flesh has to be managed. You can't let it do what it wants to do. Okay. Man, uh, this is so important because we got to get a hold of this because we don't live in the age that we lived in 50 years ago, okay? Uh, th- let's say, even back in the 50s, there's no prepackaged Christianity anymore. It used to be that when someone got saved that in America that they had lived in an environment of Christian community because Christian community was so bold and out there that the morality and the uh, and, uh, uh, ethics of the Bible were there even in our government, in our founding laws, in our schools and universities. It was just so predominant that when they got saved, their mind was already ahead of the game of renewal because they knew they knew the Bible. They knew things about the Lord. They knew what pleased the Lord and what displeased the Lord. But people are getting saved today and they're saying, Noah who? What's an ark? Moses? Oh, that's my cousin. He still owes me $20. <laughs> really? I'm telling you the truth, okay? So, so there takes a whole lot more mind renewal today because we're starting with the A of the ABCs and going forward. Now Galatians 5 16 and 17 and following tells us how we must live when we're born again. When we're born again, in order to be a covenant keeper and walk in the covenant provision and the covenant promises and the covenant power of God, He's already keeping His end of the covenant, but for us to keep our end, we got to learn to walk in the Spirit. We've got to walk a different way. we got to start walking in the Spirit... So, we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. Your flesh doesn't want to do anything for God. Don't you start listening to that flesh anymore. You've been listening to it all these years. You need to tell it to shut up. You need to tell it to shut up. Flesh, you're fired. Because you thought it was the devil who didn't want you to uh, enjoy all that God has for you and keep you out of the covenant promises when reality your closest enemy to God is your flesh. And you must recognize this. You've been rebuking the devil. You've been kicking the devil out of your front door. Get out of here and close the door. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus around there. And you pray praying. you. Are, whoa. glory to God. And the, and the very thing that's keeping you out of the provision of the covenant just walked away from the door right back into your kitchen. The flesh. We've got to learn to manage the flesh. Your flesh has nothing in common with your spirit. That is born again, okay? It does not want your born again nature to have its way. Why? Because before you got saved, the flesh ran the show. The flesh is the epitome of selfishness, self-centeredness. It is the flesh. Your flesh wants its way And no other way. Your flesh don't want your spouse's way. Your flesh don't want your child's way. Your flesh don't want your parents' way. Your flesh don't want your spirit's way. doesn't want God's way. Your flesh wants its own way. It wants to dominate your life. And you might not have been able to... It may not have been able to stop you from getting saved because it was fighting you to try to get you not to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, okay... But now that you have, and that spirit man is alive, that flesh is going to fight the spirit like nothing else. That's why he says in verse 17, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary. Say contrary. Contrary Contrary to one another. Now what does contrary mean? simply means they fight. They fight. Spirit fights flesh, and flesh fights spirit. There is a battle going on in every one of us of flesh versus spirit and spirit versus flesh. And depending on which one wins, it's going to depend whether you walk in the covenant provisions of God or you are outside of the covenant provisions of God. Wow. How many of you can identify the struggle that is within? Please, somebody help me out here. Tell the flesh, shut up. I'm going to raise my hand because the word of God is true. (laughs) Amen. The flesh is contrary to the Spirit, and you have both. The presence of both is the presence of conflict, because inside of you live two people who hate each other. You need to know that. You thought you were schizo. Well, you still might be, but nonetheless, this is that battle that is going on. Okay? That explains everything. everything. Amen Yeah, We got it all figured out now. Praise God. See, Paul talks about this civil war that takes place in us in Romans 7. Look at verse 17. He says, But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that is what I do. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. See, we delight to do the things of God deep, deep down on the inside of us, but then we go and do something stupid. Okay. I know I'm just talking about me, but I delight in my life to do the things of God and to please God, but then there's been days in my, I look back and I'm like, whoa, you did some stupid there. I mean, and and stupid hurts. I can tell you that. I mean, how many of you want to serve God? You want to, you want to have a desire to live for God and honor God and bless God, but then you go do something very contrary to what you know is right, or you think on something or have an attitude that you know is contrary to the will of God. Then you have this godly sorrow, and that's grieving the Holy Spirit. And, and, and from that, the Holy Spirit pointed you in this direction. The Spirit said, This is, told your spirit, man, this is the way to go, but your flesh got its way. And now you come under condemnation. You come under this condemnation. I've seen people even go out and try to uh, just disobey God and, and, and go back into the world and, and they just go out there and they can't even have fun sinning anymore. They go back to the club and while everybody's dancing, you know, they got their church dance going on. And they're like, oh, what is this? And everybody got their hands lifted up and the roof's on fire, the roof, the roof's on fire. You know, And they're going, praise Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? You got saved and now you find out you can't even go and sin right anymore. I mean, what's going on here? You can't even have fun in sin anymore. He tells us in verse 18, but if you are led, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they're evident. They are evident. That means, in other words, the works of the flesh are obvious. You think you're hiding it. Everybody can see it. Everybody know. Everybody know you live in a dualistic life. Everybody know that you got that struggle going on because it's showing even though you think you're hiding it because the works of the flesh are evident, the Bible says. You can't hide them. You can't conceal them. They will rise to the surface. Okay? Now, here they are, and please note that half of the stuff I'm about to read, you rebuke the devil for. He didn't say the devil, he said your flesh. But we've been rebuking the wrong thing. We've been rebuking the devil, but it's your flesh, okay? You saw this stuff popping up in your life, and you said, devil, I rebuke you. In the name of Jesus, glory to God. And you're having to ask God to forgive you the next day because you went right back and did the same thing. And you're like, how'd the devil get back in? How'd the devil get? In? The devil said, I moved out a long time ago. Your flesh is doing a good job. Your flesh, I can go do other things because your flesh is keeping you out of the covenant promises of God. See, you, you just can't understand that you, think you got delivered of a demon that was going to free you up. Let me tell you what, you got flesh to contend with and the flesh is fighting against your spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Okay, so here he says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness and lewdness. Let me stop there. Now, right there. We got some ugly. We got some ugly here. These four basically deal with sexual sins that have to do with the body, the lust of the flesh that that, that wants to be satisfied. Let me say it this way outside of covenant. See, God's a God of covenant. And God has given us a foreshadowing and a type of covenant that we can have our needs met in covenant, but it's a covenant of marriage. Okay? So outside of the covenant of marriage is where you have adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness, these sensual appetites that want to be fulfilled outside of covenant, And let me tell you what, these are the works of the flesh. Now, why is it important to serve God with your body? Well, for one, we've got to win the battle over the flesh because our body is the temple of who? The The Holy Spirit. So God's plan is in covenant to bring His Spirit of covenant, which brings the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of power, and the Spirit of provision into our bodies so that the covenant... Provision and the covenant source of power is not in heaven anymore, but in us. But He chooses to dwell in this body, so God says this body has to come under the covenant. And to come under the covenant, the flesh has to be managed. See, here's what happened. You have, let's say, uh, you you had these uh, three people, body, soul, and spirit, and here we are uh, in the Garden of Eden. And God said, if you disobey me, I've got this Edenic covenant. He starts with covenant. And in this Edenic covenant, if you violate this covenant, you're going to let the devil bring his power to steal, kill, and destroy in. And you're going to miss out on the abundant life. And you will die. So Satan comes in and appeals to uh, the mind and says to, with a question, did God really say this? Did God really say, you're going to die? I don't think he really means you're going to die. Because maybe Satan understood when God said death, he didn't mean that they were physically going to fall dead at that moment. That a part of them was going to die, that part that connected them with God. So the decision was, I saw the fruit and it looked appetizing it sensually looked like it would meet the lust of my flesh and so I b- believe I'm not gonna die and I can have this as well so when they took of the fruit the Bible says they died but we know physically they didn't die but we know that the covenant was violated and the enemy came in and they got kicked out of house and home okay So now they're kicked out of the garden, now they've got to contend for their very survival, and then God in His mercy comes and cuts another covenant, the Adamic covenant with them, promises them the proto-evangelicum, which I'm going to send a lamb... Until then, you can take the blood of an animal. I'm going to skin the first one and cover your nakedness. But I'm sending a lamb, a spotless lamb with sinless blood, who's going to one day have a better covenant, the best one of all, signed with his own blood. So that promise was given with that covenant after they violated the first covenant. So God is a God of mercy. Thank God for second chance. Amen. Thank God for a second chance. But their spirit man died. And they were left soul and flesh. Okay, soul and body. And uh, the same Paul tells us in Romans. He says, "You know, we, the way that we've all sinned and, and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is what? Death. death. Now he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spirit death. That, that which connects with the Spirit of God and the life of God. So we've got body. We've got... Soul and we've got spirit in the garden. They violate covenant. Spirit man is dead. He's laying on the floor here. So now we've got body and soul working together. But now, when you get born again, okay, when you get born again, hallelujah, for the new birth, we thank God for that new birth causes a resurrection uh, for. Uh, in our life, which then can start exercising authority to bring our body in uh, control or under what God has called us to do. Uh, We're going to get a little ahead of ourselves into that slide of Nicodemus because here's when Nicodemus got up with Jesus. Nicodemus said to him, how can I be born again? How can I be saved? And Jesus told him in John 3, 5, and 6, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless... A man is born again. Unless you was born again in water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is governed by the covenant of God or the constitution of God, and that covenant is what we're talking about. Nicodemus is like, how do I get in it? And Jesus says, you got to be born again. you got to be born of the Spirit because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So God is seeing us as soul, our our emotions, our mind, our will, our memories, and body. He's seeing us, but he says, this is not connected to me. What has to happen is this dead spirit man, because of the wages of sin, has to be resurrected into a newness of life and born again. It has to be a spiritual encounter for a spirit man to be raised from the dead, if you could say it that way. So... When you come in and you get born again, hallelujah, then you find uh, your spirit man is alive. So, spirit man now comes and says, is, and, and, and body and soul's been living in the apartment, and they've been getting along pretty good. But now, spirit moves in, and spirit says, uh, uh, I'm here, and I'm going to share the rent with you guys with third, 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 but I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Now, there's, there, the, 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 the flesh over here is saying, no, I'm selfish. I like having it my way. I like doing what I want. I don't want to be told what to do. I am in charge, have been all these years in charge, and I think I've done a pretty good job. Well, you've lost this, you've lost that, you've got this destruction, you've got... No, but, but you know what? The flesh is, is deceived. It's deceived. But the spirit man says, no, that's not how it's going to be. We're gonna praise God. We're gonna worship God. We're gonna go to church. We're gonna honor God with our tithes and offerings. We're gonna pray in the Spirit. We're gonna read the Word of God. We're gonna get the mind renewed. We're gonna shout. We're gonna worship. We're gonna sing. We're gonna dance. We're gonna serve others. We're gonna love others. We're gonna forgive. That's what the Spirit said. Hallelujah. We're gonna do this. I've been dead, but now I'm alive. Hallelujah! And I'm here. And the is over here said, Oh no, I don't think so. We're gonna party. We're we gonna enjoy ourselves. And Spirit said, No, 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 no more party. We're gonna have a different kind of Holy Ghost party now. And the is over here said, No, 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 no. I don't like Holy Ghost party. I hold that thing holy? That means I can't be selfish. That thing holy means I can't you know, you know, sat- uh, satisfy my own desire. That thing holy might be inconvenient. And we're not doing that. And poor old soul is here getting it in both ears. The mind is like, oh, the flesh wants this you know, on one shoulder and the spirit wants this on another shoulder. And this fight is going on and they're contending back and forth. And the soul says, well, I don't know. what. Do I go along with you? I've been hanging with you all these years, but you got me in so much trouble. You got me with so many memories of pain. You got me with so many memories of loss. Man, I could be a millionaire by now if I hadn't listened to you. I could have not been on my third wife if I was to listen to you. I could have not uh, had my children not even talking to me if I hadn't listened to you. You got me in trouble. And you, well, you kind of knew here. You know what? I heard about you and I knew you had to be coming one day. And I'm kind of glad you're here and what you say sounds good. But I don't know how to go that way. And that's why you have to have your mind renewed by the Word of God. The Word of God, which is the covenant of God. You've got to now learn the covenant language. You've got to learn how to walk in covenant. So that's you're here this morning. I applaud you. You're here this morning, and that's what we're doing. We're having our mind renewed so that we stop listening to flesh and getting off here in trouble and say, No, we need you until we go to heaven. We need you, O body. But until we go to heaven, we're going to start following the Spirit rather than following the flesh there has to be a turnabout. There has to be a change that takes place because these works of the flesh are evident. There's these sexual sins. He goes on to say in verse 20, idolatry and sorcery. Did you know idolatry and sorcery, are the, are the power of that is in your flesh? We say, oh, I thought that was all demon, devil, and, 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 and snakes from beyond, you know? But he says it's in your flesh. It, your flesh will cry and complain. Your flesh will operate with manipulation To get its way? And we know manipulation is like witchcraft, the Bible says. Your flesh, you know, that's why your flesh gets loving on this uh, self medicated alcohol or self medicated drug or self medicated relationship. And you know it's wrong. And it's poison, it's destroying your life. And then you say, well, you know what? Even without the Spirit and without God, I need to get away from this because it's really breaking me down. But in that flesh, oh, no, 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 you got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. And I'll make you itch, and I'll make you hurt, and I'll make you ache, and I'll make you uh, uh, hallucinate, and I'll make you get the DTs, I'll get the shakes, I'll give you whatever i got to give you. You'll start scratching and feeling like you're going to die if you don't get you, That's the flesh. That's sorcery. That's idolatry. I'm telling you, putting the flesh over the will of God. Wow. And he goes on and he says in this next group, well, maybe I shouldn't read them. Hmm. It's all twelve thirty. 12, Maybe I shouldn't read them. I might, okay, we're going to do it. We need to do it. See, it's hard, it's hard to hide the first two groups that we just read. They kind of are evident. But this last group are the temperate sins, okay? And they're the ones that's easier to hide. And that makes them the most dangerous because they can hide while you're sitting right up in church. They can hide while you're raising your hands and say, we're having a Holy Ghost party, Okay? It's, hide, it's hard to hide idolatry and sorcery. It's hard to hide these other two. But this last group we're going to deal with right now, you can calm them down for two hours for church service. Okay? And everybody will think, you just a perfect little thing sent from God from heaven. What, what is in that list? Hatred. Hatred. Did you know you can hate somebody and them not even know it? In your heart? Contentions. Now what's contentions? That's somebody's always starting something. They're never happy with peace. They're always looking for a fight. These are folks who have a storm in them. You ever met them? Okay. You're supposed to pass through the storm, but when the storm starts getting in your boat, your boat's going to sink. You're supposed to pass through that storm 30 years ago. You had a storm 30 years ago. We're not denying that. But that storm is in you. You're supposed to pass through it, but it's in you. And now you're ready to fight. You cannot stand a lot of joy and happiness. You've got to stir something up. You got to get something going. You got to point out some fault of somebody, even if you got to make it up. Okay? Then jealousies, jealousies. Boy, you can hide that one. I've been tithing for eleven years, and she just got saved and got that brand new car. I don't understand that. How in the world that happened? I've been tithing for eleven years. Okay? Jealousy is very subtle. See, the test of jealousy is never failure. The test of jealousy is success. There's a lot of people who go down with you in failure and say, oh, it's going to be okay. Oh, and just sit there and like Job's friends. But there's not a whole lot of folks who want to go with you into prosperity. They're all right with God prospering you until you get ahead of them. And that, that jealousy, not, that, not the demon spirit of jealousy. I'm talking about flesh. Flesh, outburst of wrath. Have you ever been around a person that you felt like you had to walk on eggshells with? You go up to them and say, where's the ketchup? Oh, sweetie pie, the ketchup's in the kitchen over on the top shelf. Just open it up. It's right there, sweetie pie. You're like, oh, wonderful. You go back there tomorrow and you're looking around and you need some ke- uh, mustard. You ask the same lady, you know, where's the mustard? I told you yesterday where the ketchup was. It was on top shelf. condiments. are all together. You should know. You should have seen it yesterday while you was in there getting the ketchup. You're always bothering me. You're like, whoa, same lady, same similar circumstance, but a different person. I'm telling you. You ever met that person with outbursts of wrath? That's flesh. Selfish ambitions. Man, that's a dangerous one. These folks will bleed you and you don't even know they're bleeding you. Selfish ambition. They'll be loving you in your face and they've got a knife. or Actually, they've got a needle with a bag and they're draining blood from your kidney line on the backside. You don't even know it. They think they, they look like they're for you, but they not. they not. They're smiling in your face, but they're really, really going to see you down. Selfish ambition. And then dissensions and heresies and envies and murder and drunkenness and revelries and the like, which I told you behold, before, just as I tell you this time right now, if you keep practicing such things, if you keep practicing such things, what does he say? You will not inherit the promises of God. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. This covenant that is part of your inheritance, you will not have. Folks walking around with carnal minds, they break. I'm telling you, we got to learn to break a line, alliance with our flesh. We got to. So, we got this spirit, soul, body dilemma. Spirit's now moved in, and uh, spirit is saying, we, God sent me here with resurrection power to get us into the covenant and to enjoy the promises of the covenant. And, and, and body is not happy with this. See, God gave you a body which gives you a world consciousness, and God gave you a soul which gives you a self-consciousness, but now He's giving you spirit which gives you a God consciousness. So now you want to please God, and body don't want to please God, and soul has already been doing what it's been doing, in, in thinking what it's been thinking, and it don't want to line up with the spirit as well. But God says, the greatest battle of all is between body and spirit. There is a war that goes on there, and the only way for you to not walk according to the lust of the flesh, is to walk in the spirit, is to walk in the spirit. And I'm telling you what? That is a battle. That's why Paul said in Romans 7 and 15, "Now the things that I want to do, the good, I desire, that spirit. I do not do, that's flesh. And the thing I hate to do, flesh, it's what, it's what I do. I'm telling you, we've got to say, beginning today, I'm going to learn to manage my flesh. My flesh is not going to win this. He's not going to knock out my spirit. My flesh and my soul alone, those two alone, I was head to hell. I was on my way to hell. But I've been born again. And God has resurrected my spirit man. And my spirit man is perfect. The Bible says all things are old, passed away, all things made new in Christ. Your spirit man is brand new. It's not dead under the wages of sin. It's alive under the righteousness of God. That's why you're called now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Which puts you in position to receive all of the covenant blessings of God. But you've got to walk by the spirit rather than by the flesh. So two closing things that you need to do uh, to, to win the spirit and flesh conflict. Two very important things. There's many, but there's two things that I want to do. You've got to first watch who you run with. You better watch who you run with. And the reason being because there are certain people who cause your spirit to rise. And there are certain people that cause your flesh to rise. And you know what I'm talking about. Don't act all, don't put on that mask that everything's okay. Now, listen to me. You know who they are. There's people that cause your spirit to rise. And there's people that cause your flesh to rise. You better watch who you run with. And then secondly, you got to watch where you go. And the reason being is because there are certain atmospheres that inspire spirit. And there are certain atmospheres that inspire flesh. That is true. Whether you agree with it or not, that is true. God has created in the DNA of a a lemon seed to produce a lemon tree that produces the fruit of a lemon or lemons and that in Florida will work perfectly. But in Rhode Island, it will not because there's a different atmosphere. Same DNA, same plan of God, same purpose of God, but it's in the wrong atmosphere. Well, your spirit man will rise in a certain atmosphere and your flesh, man, will rise in power in a certain atmosphere. Please hear the Word of God. It's right there on the screen, Romans 13 and 14. Make no provision for the flesh. To manage your flesh so that you can be led by your Spirit into the fullness and the manifest of the promises of God, you've got to make no provision for the flesh. There's some places you need not be and there are some folks that you've been hanging with that maybe are not the healthy folks to hang with. they the gossip. they the whatever that's speaking and ruffling the feathers and trying to puff up your flesh. You need to stop. You need to stop. You need to say, I'm not, I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm not, if you want to walk with me in this new path I'm walking, you can walk with me, but I'm not listening to that. You're not going to stir my flesh. I need somebody to help stir my spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Because flesh cannot live where he cannot feed. Flesh cannot live where he cannot feed. And there are people who he feeds off of. And there are environments he feeds off of. But if you'll stop making provision for him to be fed, he will shrivel up and lose his strength and uh, come in alignment and start marching where he should. Hallelujah. Because here it is flesh has been leading soul and been doing what it wanted to do, but you're born again. You're a Christian, and there's a third part that was dead, now is alive, and that's spirit. And what God says, we must repent, which means metanoia, it's the Greek word, which means an about face. You turn about. So here's flesh leading soul all these years, and maybe even uh, as a Christian, And spirit has been, you've been born again, but you're still carnal. And you're not inheriting the promises. You're not walking in the covenant power and covenant provisions and the miracles of God and the blessings of God and the favor of God and the promotion of God. And and Paul was writing, and the Holy Spirit is saying, you got to make an about face turn you got to turn about and now let flesh follow the soul who follows the spirit because now we're walking in the spirit, not in the flesh, and that will lead you into the covenant provision of God. There needs to be an about-face turn in our lives, and we must manage the flesh. Flesh, we need you. you you're the, you're the, the, the embodiment where the Holy Spirit comes in the flesh, in our body, but you're not in charge. You're not in charge. You have not yet been glorified. There's a day coming. The Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And these bodies that were uh, uh, unholy, you might would say, are going to be glorified so that they can go to heaven. That's why our bodies are still getting old and, and weaker and all this stuff because we're fighting in this earthly realm. And there's coming a heavenly realm when these bodies will be glorified. But until then, we must know that out of the, the weaker out of the three of us is the body. So the body cannot be the leader anymore. That flesh wanting the desire of what that body, the appetites of that body, cannot be the leader anymore. You let those fleshly appetites go uncontrolled, you'll be 700, 800 pounds. You will have 52 wives and not married to any of them. Okay, you'll have 17 children and not support one of them because it was fun having them, but it ain't no fun supporting them. The flesh the flesh is only in it for a moment, and, and there's a moment of pleasure and sin, but then the flesh drops out. Uh-uh, not responsible, no. I'll go get paid cash under the table so there's no record so you can't even come in and put an attachment on my bank account or on my check you're not going to get the money that child can starve to death I had the fun making him but I ain't going to have any sacrifice in raising him that's the flesh we got an about face turn and be led by the spirit which leads us into the covenant provision and the covenant promises and the covenant promotion and the covenant power of God please hear me church please hear me oh that let our minds be renewed so that we can let our soul agree with the spirit and the two of them takes authority over the flesh and the flesh has to follow please hear the word of God and say God I hear your word I believe your word and I commit myself to your word he's a covenant God and covenant calls for commitment calls for commitment so I ask you his closing statements. Are you willing to commit? Are you willing to commit? See, see, God is not begging you. God is not tricking you. God is not bait and switching you. See, God doesn't have a, He doesn't have an image problem. If you get saved the not, His records are not, how many people got saved is not going to either puff Him up or deflate Him. So he's not in this to get the sale. He's not in this to to get the award, the God who beat the devil. He's in this with much more seriousness than that. And he says, I'm a covenant God. And this is the constitution. This is how I've set it up. And if you want to be a part of it, this is how you enter in. This is how you grow. And this is how you take advantage of all the provision I have for you. I want it for you, but I'm not going to trick you to get you... I'm not going to trick you to get you healed. I'm not going to trick you to get you saved. I'm not going to trick you to get you prospered. I'm not going to trick you to get you a promotion. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to work that way. I've laid it out. I've laid it out. In my covenant, if you walk in my covenant, promotion is a part of it. It's, it's all up. I take you from glory to glory. From faith to faith. There's no down. There's up. That's just my covenant. You get on my covenant, it's an escalator. The one that's going up. Okay? He says, my covenant... There's healing. He says, my son, by his stripes, has provided your healing. By, Peter says, by his stripes you were healed. It's done. It's done. That's in the covenant. The, your, your prospering is in the covenant. Your healing is in the covenant. Your joy unspeakable and full of glory is in the covenant. Your peace that surpasses all understanding is in the covenant. It's in the covenant. It's in the covenant. In the covenant. He says, but I'm a covenant God and I'm going to keep covenant to a thousand generations. Now, are you? Are you? If you are, you got to learn who to listen to. And that's not the flesh. you got to listen to the Spirit. Because your spirit man was born again by my Spirit because I created you in a, in a mirror duplicates of me. So my Holy Spirit is communicating. Let's see if I can do three fingers here. My Holy Spirit is communicating to your Spirit. That's why I give them a language. They have their own language. And when you pray in the spirit, your spirit is built up. There's wisdom and covenant knowledge and covenant power that comes alive in you that you don't even realize. The Bible says you're built up. You're, you're, you're made strong. Okay. And, uh, and, and, I, and the spirit tells you how to walk. So you don't even understand why. You just know this is the way I'm supposed to go. So when you get your mind renewed, which is your soulish realm, and they agree with the spirit, now... By faith, even if it doesn't look like it, you walk in that. I walk in my healing by faith. I walk in my promotion by faith. I walk in my deliverance by faith, okay? Now what has to happen, because they're connected, the flesh has to follow. So that flesh that was addicted gets set free. That flesh that was sick gets healed. That flesh that was overlooked for promotion gets promoted. You see what I'm saying? Because it's now, by faith in this covenant, you're moving in that direction. But God's not going to trick you to try to bless you. He says, you've got to make up your own mind. you got to make up your own mind. Are you going to man up, woman up, and be a part of the covenant, be a covenant keeper? He says, if so, here's the deal. Hallelujah. Isn't that great to know? That he didn't look and say, this certain color, I'll allow you. This certain gender, I'll allow you. This certain age group, I'll allow you. He said, whosoever whosoever hallelujah that means me that means me i don't know if you claim it but that means me i say yes lord yes count me in count me in what i need to do he said you need to start it out with a faith act you've got to call jesus christ your lord you got to surrender you got to surrender in order for us to help you get this turned around and get your spirit man strengthened you got to surrender to the lordship of jesus christ And then you've got to open yourself in that surrender to being filled with the Spirit of God because you need the Holy Ghost. Your spirit man is needing all the help he can get now because he's coming into the boxing ring and flesh is going to give him a fight. He's going to give him a fight. So you've got to say, God, fill me. And you say, well, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Refill me. You say, I've been refilled. God, let me be spilling over right now. let juggle and see if it's spilling over. Because I need you, Holy Spirit, so to help my spirit get my soul in line so we can drag that flesh along into the provisions of the covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you this morning would say, I am surrendered to Jesus Christ, or I, I am surrendering to Jesus Christ. And I give it my life. And so I want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Lord, we just stand here. You see everybody standing. Lord, the ones that are standing, Lord, we just said, they surrender, surrender. God, we want to walk in the covenant provision. We want to walk in all that you have. And all you're calling for is total surrender. Total surrender. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning, it's never surrender to Jesus Christ and you're kind of like Nicodemus you want to get in but you don't know how Jesus said this to us through the apostle Paul He said if you'll believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead that he's alive and you will confess that Jesus is your Lord that you will surrender to him that you will be saved that that is the first step maybe you need to make that step this morning if so Just say, Jesus, Jesus, I believe. Oh, I believe. I mean, out of your heart, just say, God, I believe that you raised your son Jesus from the dead. You are alive. Come live in me. Just invite him right now. Come live in me. Come be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender all. And everyone everyone else, just like me this morning, we're saying, God, fresh surrender. I want you to know I'm in. I'm in. Would you just tell him that, God, I'm I'm surrendering my life to you afresh and new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Refill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me, Lord God, flooding over. My mind is being renewed by your word and my mind is coming in agreement with my spirit that is being led by your spirit and you're leading us into the promises. You're leading us into this covenant. And Lord God, I'm going willingly. I'm going rejoicing. And I give you all the praise and all the glory for it. Hallelujah. And before we close this prayer, we'd like our prayer ministers to step forward. And if you're here this morning and would like someone to stand in agreement with you on any struggle, you can do that right now by coming and letting them pray with you. I'm telling you, these men and women of faith that are coming up here to pray with you, they will stand in faith and agreement to see the power of the covenant enacted in your life today and to bring assistance to this struggle that you might leave out of here victorious. So if you need prayer, just come, just come. You got that struggle, come. You got that thing that needs somebody to join with you to fight against it, just come. You got that thing that you've been battling and it just don't seem to want to go, come, come. Let these men and women of faith stand with you right now and let them pray with you. Hallelujah. Would you come? Lord, we thank you. We thank you right now in advance as they're stepping out of their seat and coming for prayer. Lord God, that the struggle is going to end today. That the victory over the struggle is going to take place today. That Lord, whether it's a healing in their body, whether it's deliverance from something, Lord God, whether it's a breakthrough they've been looking for, Lord God, whether it's an emotional struggle, Lord God, a relational struggle, whatever it may be, Lord God, let that power of agreement, that prayer of agreement, release your anointing now and set them free. Hallelujah. And now, God, your blessings, I pray, on each and every one as we go into this beautiful day that you've created for us. Lord, this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So we go in your favor, we go in your blessings. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen.